Okay. Today is March 20th, 2022. We are reading from the big book of AA, pages 70, starting with suppose we fall short to the end of that chapter. Jeff H. will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Annabelle Z. After, um, so Jeff, will you please read page 70? Sure. Absolutely. Good morning, I'm Jeff. I'm a compulsive overeater. Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we are going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but this is only a half truth. It depends on us and on our motives. If we are sorry for what we have done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and we will have learned our lesson. If we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. We are not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. To sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for the strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. Uh, we think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. Okay, if we have been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written down a lot. We have listed and analyzed our resentments. We have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct, and we are willing to straighten out the past if we can. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We hope you are now convinced. We hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you have already made a decision and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, you have made a good beginning. That being so, you have swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. Thank you, Jeff. And now I would like to introduce Annabelle Z. She will share on the pages that Jeff just read. Annabelle? Thank you, Karen. And thanks, Jeff. My name is Annabelle. I'm a compulsive overeater in Washington State. And uh, I want to thank Kim for asking me to come on and share in the meeting. Can I be heard okay? Yeah, okay, good. Um, so this, uh, this section of the big book is, I think, one of the most essential pieces of the fourth step, because there is often so much shame around sex. And so um, I think this is like that, one of those steps, that sections of the, of the work we do that really makes us change at a spiritual level, because we can either be humiliated or we can surrender and practice humility. And I think this section is just um, one, of the, one of the places in the big book where we really get, get to experience a psychic change. So um, 
my my uh, story is uh, uh, like a lot of people. I came into the <clears throat> twelve steps via the drinking program, and when I was twenty years old, I was suicidal. I couldn't stop drinking. I had a total wet brain. I had alcohol poisoning, um, and I went into. I really didn't know where else to go. And so I went to my dean and she said, yeah, I know you have a problem. And we ended up going, I went to a meeting and then I went off to rehab. So I kind of had it super safe. I went to the spin dry and that was that. And then I ended up at an Oxford house. And no sooner did I stop drinking that food became the issue that it was when I was young. And when I was young, I remember way back just using food as a soother. So fast forward 23 years old, I'm supposedly sober in my living room, shades pulled in the middle of the day and empty packages all over my floor. And I was humiliated. And my friend came over and I was even more humiliated. I called her and I said, I, I, I need help. And she took me to an OA meeting. Uh, incidentally, Harlan G was there. It was in Eugene, Oregon back in 1993, I think, 93 or 94. And I remember going to a meeting and a woman there said that she had so much shame around alcoholism, but um, she had no shame around compulsive eating. And I was the opposite. I kind of glorified alcohol, but I, it took everything in me to admit that I had a problem with food. Um, so this paragraph freed me from that shame. Um, First of all, it says, suppose we fall short. Should, does that mean we're going to, you know, we stumble? Does that mean we're going to compulsively eat? Um, it depends on our motives. And I thought it was really interesting because there's several parts in this. It's kind of a summary of not just the fourth step, but everything else we did. And it's a little bit of a summary of how we were selfish, how we were fearful, how prideful we were. And then how humility and surrender and um, honesty and courage, practicing those things make for that change. Um, um, so, so the chosen ideal, of course, we did when we referred to our sex ideal and it comes after the fear inventory. And page 69, the day before, the page before it talks about shaping a sound and sane ideal for our future sex life. And, and how do we do that? It's by asking ourselves basically where our conduct, where has our conduct been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? And uh, did we arouse jealousy, bitterness? Did we hurt anyone? Who, who did we hurt? Uh, did we arouse suspicion? Did we arouse fear? And what should we have done instead is the big question. What should I have done instead? So we list the people that we hurt in the sexual context. And let me tell you, the list was long. In my drinking, I just thought it was totally normal. I wasn't promiscuous. I was always dating the guys I was with. And yeah, and I just thought that was okay. But what would happen was I would kind of get bored or I would get too drunk and then I'd end up with another guy and then I was dating him too. So I would just sort of ignore the other one. I mean, just like completely hurtful. I did this 12 people in a row. And um, I had I had no concept that that was wrong. And it's just like, oh, sorry, I hurt his feelings. Oh, well, things happen. Usually girls get hurt. So what's the difference? So, so selfish. And so my, what should I have done instead? Invariably through every single one of these people was, I need to be honest from the start. 
I need to, and it just, that ideal became so important in my marriage, you know, 10 years later, I was married and that was the key thing in my marriage was to just, I have to be honest from the start. And I failed because I was in the food. I might've been sober, but I was in the food all the way through a year and a half ago when I was 50 years old. So I, I didn't have um, the right motive. My motive was, um, my motive was still to get attention and to feel like I was better than, or at least to feel good, right? It was a codependent kind of a motive. Like if you like me or think I'm attractive, then I'm okay. And um, the questions I asked myself is, first of all, honesty, do I have an honest desire to let God take me to better, better things? Um, in that first paragraph we read. That just is a really hard one because honesty is, I think, one of the hardest things for compulsive overeaters and addicts alike. Like, I don't want to tell you exactly what's on my mind. You would probably hate me. But then I remember that y'all feel the same way. So, you you know, we all have that mentality. If I'm honest, you will reject me. And so, and if I'm, if I'm dishonest, I can get you to like me. I can form our relationship. And that's how I did relationships. So that's the first freedom is the freedom to have honest, clear relationships. The other question is, do I believe I will be forgiven? And it's specifically referring to, um, you know, the people we hurt. But I also kind of interpret that like I took a long time in program to receive God's love and God's forgiveness. and. Um, I was wondering why I didn't have a good relationship with my higher power. And it just occurred to me one day, I don't know if it was in program in a meeting or where it was, but I had not received or didn't think I deserved to receive the love of God. And so while I sought it in men, I didn't receive it from the source that really matters, which is my higher power. And so I have to answer that question before I can move on. Do I believe I will be forgiven? And if I did the second step and I came to believe that a power can restore me to sanity, it's really the same emotional shift when I decide that, you know what, I do deserve to be forgiven. And whether a person forgives me, that's not my, my job. Forgiving, I learned, is to, it's between me and God. And what happens with the other person, that might be reconciliation, but that's not what the four steps about. It's about me having freedom. And so I now am free to receive God's love. And this is that last question. Have I learned my lesson? Well, it took me a while <laughs> um, in sobriety after starting four-step work. Um, and the interesting thing is, is in my marriage, since I've been abstinent the last year and a half, um, I continue to learn lessons. I continue to learn and grow in that piece of humility. It's just a very slow process for me. Um, there's this one part about if we are not sorry, we are quite sure to drink or eat. And I think that if we are not sorry, to me, that's that place of pride. It's just, the, uh, it's just an unwillingness to look at my part and think maybe, just maybe I have a part in this. And so, you know, in my marriage, when my, my sex ideal is to be honest from the start, among other things, I have to look at this and, and ask myself, am I sorry? So I have to believe that I will be forgiven 
I just, I have to do that. I have to believe I have to come to the second step and then surrender to my higher power that you really will take care of me, God. I'm going to surrender my life and care over to your, to your care. And then I can be sorry because it's safe. So I think as kids, we lie, kids lie. But when we're still in the food, we're like little toddlers. We lie. I lied so much. I didn't even know I was lying. It was just lies of omission. Didn't want anybody to know how I really thought or you would reject me. So the second paragraph where it says we we, um, earnestly pray for the right ideal in every situation. um, It's referring specifically to how we're looking at each relationship that we had. But I see that inviting God into my sex life all around in the present is still extremely important for me. My husband and I have um, three things we fight about, and I believe it's pretty much the same for every parent, wife, husband, um, and that, or people in general, (laughs) is about money, children, and sex. And if I got, we, 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 we practice actually some morning devotionals together, and if we invite God into the middle of it, all of those things go away because I don't have to prove myself that I know better and I don't have to prove my husband that I know better. And he doesn't have to be defensive about how he is and what his thoughts are. We just invite God in. And it's like the principles of the program and the tradition of the program where we have one ultimate power. So we always pray first. Um, I love this part about if it's still troublesome, kind of like where it says in chapter seven, the first line, when all else fails, we do service. When all else fails. And you know what? When you're in the kitchen, when I'm in the kitchen, when I'm somewhere and I don't have to be in the kitchen, I'll be in the car and I drive by a, you know, something drive through and I'm like, and just this craving just suddenly and it grips me. And immediately I have a solution and that's to pick up the phone. Not necessarily to pick up the phone and whine, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm depressed and I'm upset. I can't eat. No. Pick up the phone to call someone to see how they're doing. And that that surrender to the program also involves just deciding that even though I feel like a failure right now, to call someone else and ask them how they're doing. You know, and invariably when I do that, I end up talking like, well, can I share a 10 step with you? You know, <laughs> and, and, we, it, and it becomes fellowship. And that's the point. It's not, you know, people calling me and I'm going to tell you all how you do it. Or I call people and wine, wine, wine. It's we fellowship about this common peril, this common, the common fears we have of, of not being good enough, um, our common dishonesty and, and a shift of coming, coming honest, right? Where we go, it's okay. It's, uh, it's safe. I do deserve this. I deserve freedom from dishonesty. And uh, I don't know who's timing me, but if you let me know how much more time I have. Um, so service about takes, 12 minutes. Perfect. Thank you very much. So service takes us out of ourselves, right? And it quiets all urges. It says, um, in there. And I, th- I think about, you know, the urge, I don't really personally have a big urge for sexual activity, but I can take this for in other ways. Cause a lot of people do. And service just takes us out of ourselves and anything in order just because I because I want to be filled with food. Like I just feel empty. That's where my disease takes me. I feel empty. And the urge is to fill up. 
you know, and I just, it's like anxiety. You know, there's that story about, you know, oh, this, I think it's the story about Fred in more about alcoholism and how it talks about, he's like a ball of nerves. He just, he, he was fine in all respects, except he had a little bit of a nervous disorder. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get it. That was me. I'm just like always nervous and have anxiety and I want to fill. So I do service, I make a phone call and I just forget my, my cravings. And so these things are where, yeah, I got to be courageous, you know, when I admit my faults, um, but it also brings in the principles of honesty, you know, integrity, and just to be real, real. It's, it is safe. I, I just, it is amazing for me to, to catch that. Um, so if we've been through this, we've written down a lot. And uh, if we've been thorough about our personal inventory. So my very first personal inventory was, I think it was like an entire spiral notebook. I had 19 pages on my dad alone. And, um, and these are all, you know, resentments. Like that's just a lot of pissed offness. And I don't want to carry that around anymore. And um, it talks about analyzing, we, you know, we, and we wrote them down and we analyzed our resentments. And the analysis is the third and fourth step. So I look at the resentment and I go, you know, what's this about? You know, what did it affect? Gosh, does it affect my self-esteem, ambition? You know, the whole drill on the previous pages. And then the fourth step is, okay, because of this resentment, where am I selfish? Where have I been self, self-seeking? self You know, what have I done to uh, hold on to something I have, which is selfishness, or get something I want, which is self-seeking? Um, and that was like all my relationships with, with men. That was my sick sex life. It was so selfish. And so in, in reference to the sexual inventory, to analyze the resentments I had against, you know, I was physically assaulted, sexually assaulted. Um, You bet I had a resentment. It messed me up for the rest of my life in some ways. And so I get to look at what did I do because of that? And what can I do instead? And I took that out of my husband, who is not a perpetrator. He's my husband who loves me dearly. And so I had to really write this in the, when I came to OA, it became, um, Okay, very important for me to look at a, a present fourth step and what I do to hurt my husband. And that has been so freeing, very, very healing. So um, last I want to touch on that um, when I pray for a person in the resentment, um, you know, when it t- talks about the sick man's prayer or the fourth step prayer, I really needed to understand, someone told me that um, I'm not condoning behavior when I'm forgiving a person. Again. Forgiveness is between me and God. Their behavior is their stuff, and it's up to God to deal with them. I don't have to deal with them. And by forgiving them, I'm not condoning any behavior. It took me a long time to, to really swallow that and internalize it, it but it made it, um, it made it okay for me to forgive. You know? And then if I can forgive, I can move on and, and receive love so that I can then spill that love over to others. Um, so it was important for me to know that dealing with the resentments and, uh, and praying for those person didn't excuse them, especially when they harmed me and the sick man's prayer to me, I love, you know, this is a sick man always, I just don't quite feel it when I say that, but save me from being angry is a, it, that sentence to me is, I mean, saving me, right? What does that mean? I'm in peril if I'm in anger. 
And it, and it refers to that in the previous pages, because if I have that anger, I'm going to not like it brings me anxiety and that anxiety brings up the nervousness and I have to fill it and it'll take me right back to the food. So if I fall short of my sex ideal, you bet I'm going to end up in the food. Um, it breeds a new perspective of tolerance. And it talks down at that, you know, we've begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies. And it's hard to think like, well, is there, is there a beginning? Like, how long does this take? You know, it's every single day. I ate compulsively every single day. And if I didn't, I restricted compulsively every single day. And so that was my MO for decades. And I don't do that anymore. And I also... I have tolerance for those who, like, I don't live out of reaction of emotions anymore. I have tolerance for people who, oh, I think I'm just out of time. So I just wanted to add one last thing. I don't live out of the emotions. And um, the last thing I wanted to say is that the 10th and 11th and 12th steps, um, their principles are, I think it's love, responsibility, and discipline. And this, this is really where it's discipline because I have love in my life. And in 11th step, remember, I talk to my higher power and I get filled with him first. Then I'm responsible to continue that and I can spill that love over to others and be disciplined. So I'm really grateful to share today. Thanks for asking me. And that's that. I'll pass. Thanks, Annabelle. That was inspirational and very informative.